It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. So, Eric, yesterday you gave an incredible message that I think actually lays a profound foundation for the Christian life. In other words, if someone doesn't get the concept, it's really hard to get the Christian life functional. Uh, But the message was called An Exceedingly Great Army. And by the way, if someone hasn't listened to that, uh, they need to go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to listen to that. But if they're not listening to it this week, we were laughing how... Uh, we almost need to put some better buttons maybe. Uh, but if it's not on that page, cause it's featured on the, the week's page right now, uh, right now. Right. Uh, otherwise you can just go to Ellerslie and go to the sermons menu and you can find it there by that title. But could you just kind of give an overview of, of this message that you gave yesterday? Absolutely. Well, it's uh, just to cut to the chase. It's on the indwelling Holy spirit, which is a tenuous, challenging topic amidst Christianity. I mean, just right. there's so many divisions over this very topic of how we appropriate this. And to me, it should not be a debatable point. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot function in your Christianity. Now, most people, the reason it's a debatable one is because people will say, but I have the Holy Spirit. I mean, how could I even believe without the work of the Holy Spirit? And they're right. And yet that's part of what this message is, is the ever increasing dimension of what God wants to do in our life. Many of us start out with the Holy Spirit, winning us to Christ, convincing us of his merits, of his goodness, of his salvific ability. But then we stunt our growth and try and do the rest of it in our own strength. And the key, I think, that you and I are very passionate about, I mean, the entire Ellerslie training model is built around it, is how do you practically cultivate God working in you and through you? And that's part of what we want to unpack this week is what does that look like? Uh, In Ezekiel, we're going to see this what what is going to be termed an exceedingly great army that is going to clatter together where these dry bones are going to be picked up by God and, and put together. Sinews are going to be put on it. Flesh is going to cover it. And it's it's an amazing uh, you know picture already. But if you were to stop there, it is insufficient and it's not going to be called an exceedingly great army. There's one more piece that is necessary, and that is not accidental, that is going to be emphasized so clearly in Ezekiel 37, because it's going to be a picture, not just of the ancient house of Israel, but of the new covenant church. And that is that God's breath is going to enter in to that army. And that's what truly makes the church of Jesus Christ function. It's what makes us function as individuals. And that's what makes the body of Christ function as a whole is that we are filled with something, not in theory, but in actuality. In actuality, Eric Ludi's body is not my own. It belongs to Jesus Christ. How does he own it? How does he possess it? How does he operate it? Via the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ in me so that I can, with these hands, show what Christ's hands would do. With these eyes, I can look where Christ's eyes would look. With this mouth, I can speak what Christ's mouth would speak. With this heart, I can feel what Christ would feel so that this body can actually function as part of that exceedingly great army. And it's so important to remember, too, that it's not that we we somehow gain Christ and then graduate the, the only way we can function uh, as a believer is to have the Holy Spirit. In other words, we actually cannot live as we ought to live 
without his empowering strength, his grace, his ability in our lives. Uh, otherwise, we're actually not a Christian. In other words, it's not a be a, become a Christian and then maybe yeah. get the Holy Spirit. It's if you have the Holy Spirit, you are a Christian. Yes. It's like the seal. It's like, how do you know someone is a disciple of Christ? Right. Well, by their love for one another. Well, how do you get the love for one another? That signal, that external signal of transformation is accomplished because of an internal transformation by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's at varying degrees in each of our lives, which is called sanctification. In other words, there's initial signals that are going to take place, and then there is ever maturing, ever deepening aspects of this life of grace. Mm, That's so good, which we're going to keep unpacking throughout this week, throughout these uh, Daily Thunder messages. Could you briefly talk through, in in your message, you were given this illustration of an elevator, Mm -hmm. but the whole point was the fact that if we're actually going to embrace the Holy Spirit, or if we're actually going to function as we ought to function, uh, it actually cannot be done out of self. We actually have to come low. Could you maybe just unpack that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's hard. And I I gave quite a few different illustrations in this to try and like (laughs) give imagery for what this is. For me the metaphors really help, like the mental pictures. Uh, And I'm guessing there's a lot of other people that are like me uh, out there. But so what I showed on the screen, I I can't say that it was a very good artistic uh, presentation, but it's sort of like this idea. There was a black uh, box that went up. It was like an elevator uh, system. And then there was this lower floor gold box with a star in it. And so if you see the message, you'll (laughs) understand a little, not the greatest artistic uh, work, but Basically, if you were to look at it as saying, we oftentimes as humans want to reach the highest floor. We want to be important. We want to be able to do this in our own strength. In fact, that seems to be what all the world tells us. It's like, if you can reach a high floor, you're important. And yet God is there sort of on the bottom level. His Holy Spirit has been made available at Pentecost. He was given. So it's not that we need to wait in an upper room for Pentecost to come. Pentecost has come and the Holy Spirit has been given to us. However, some of us are like, well, how come he's not functioning in my life then? And that has to do with which floor you're on. And so when you are self-sufficient, when you're egotistical, when you are proud and you are doing things in your own power, you are trying to go up uh, levels instead of coming down. And when As a Christian, if the functionality of Christianity comes through humility, it comes through dependence, it comes through need, it comes through childlikeness. And what all those things are is they're a coming down. It's a lowering down to the level where God is at, which is an amazing thought to think that he's saying, hey, guys, I'm the servant. He's like, come to where I'm at and you're going to find me. And so in that illustration, I have that elevator coming down and then all that is in God that gold room basically enters into us. And that's part of, I think, what each of us needs to recognize is that a lot of churches will talk about the Holy Spirit, but they don't talk about repentance. They don't talk about coming low. They don't talk about humility. They don't talk about actually allowing the conviction of the Holy Spirit to prepare this vessel to be made ready to receive this life of God. That's so good. And unless we come low, unless we are humble, we we truly cannot ap, uh, a, ascertain. Is that the word I'm looking for? Apprehend. Apprehend. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Uh, and, and like you said, it's so easy, I think, in our Christian lives to suddenly grab a hold of something. We, we find our life starting to work. And then we almost like go, okay, now that you show me how to do it, I can now 
do yeah. this on my own and try to function outside of that rea- reality rather than keeping ourselves low and living in that reality. I, I gave an illustration uh, in the message about the burning building and that, you know, that's sort of us. And we're in this burning building. Our life is going to be destroyed. And if we stay in this, it's going to collapse on us. I mean, it's getting weaker and weaker every day. And then through this burning building comes this gushing river and there's a raft on it. And of course, the river being the Holy Spirit is going to actually introduce us to this rescue raft known as Jesus. And this river courses through and out of this burning building. And if we get in that raft, then that raft is a salvation for us. But it's the river that's actually bringing the raft to us and then carrying us onward. And then I always picture a big waterfall after. I don't know why I do that. And the, the raft goes down and then we land in this canyon below. And it even has an announcement that says the canyon of difficulty. You know, the the if you stay in this river, it's going to be difficult. And so we see these canyons uh, on the side and we're like, well, I, I want to get to the eternal kingdom. I want to get to the eternal fortress of God where there's peace. How And I know I need this raft. And so we pick the raft up out of the river and we try and carry it by scaling the cliffs instead of staying in the raft in the river where the Holy Spirit leads us. We need to follow. And he leads us into danger, into difficulty, into challenge. And many of us are like, I don't want to go there. You see, the Holy Spirit sounds really fantastical. A lot of people sell the Holy Spirit based on these power things that he can do in our life. You know, you could speak in tongues. You could, you know, have words of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy. And yet the big sales pitch to me in the Holy Spirit is that he brings me to Jesus. That's the primary thing. I'm not against anything the Holy Spirit wants to do, these accessory elements. However, the Holy Spirit wants to bring me to Jesus and wants to bring Jesus to me so that I can be filled with his life and begin to showcase his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, and his self-control. And apart from him, I can't do that. And so if I'm going to function as a Christian, I must stay in that boat in that river. One of the things you said in this sermon, which I really appreciated, uh, you referenced one of our favorite books, They Found the Secret, mm-hmm. uh, which is a collection of 20 different uh, little little bite-sized biographies mm-hmm. looking at how some of these great men and women throughout history, Christian history, uh, grabbed a hold and recognized the fact that they needed the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And one of the things I just really appreciate about that book is not a single story is the same. Yeah. In other words, it's not like there's a formula of if you do yeah. those three things, woo, yeah. you get the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's almost like uh, when you go to the Gospels and you see Jesus healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the formula for Jesus yeah. healing? Yeah. Well, uh, sometimes he speaks. Sometimes he spits and makes mud and <laughs> plasters your eyes. You know, sometimes, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just like there's there's different ways that Jesus yeah. heals. It's almost purposely yeah. so that it doesn't become a formula. Yeah. And I think the same thing is true about the Holy Spirit that, you know, for some people it's instantaneous mm-hmm. where it's just like God greatly moves upon their life and they're just like, wow. And every... supernatural things happen. Yeah. I mean, uh, crazy. Yeah. And yet for other people, it's like there's this season, there's this progression mm-hmm. that takes place. And over time, you just begin to recognize, wow, I, I've been fully yeah. uh, just given to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Could you maybe even share a little bit of your story yeah. about how you just apprehended yeah, the reality the reason, of the Holy The reason it's hard to share testimony on this, I think... Uh, is because of that very facet. And I actually would say, I think Jesus purposely did, or at least the spirit of God is going to carry along the writers of the New Testament to reveal that Jesus healed blind men, for instance, differently every time on purpose. 
And I don't think any of that's an accident I, because I do think it sets us up to recognize that the way God works in each of our lives is going to be different. However, there's certain facets that are always going to be similar. In other words, there is an ingredients list, but that ingredients list isn't the way in which God is going to do it. Like, okay, I need to be in a closet. I need to be on my knees and I need to have my head bowed at a certain angle and I need to pray these words. That's where we really get into trouble in Christianity is where we try and formalize and package the experience of growing in grace. However, there are certain things, for instance, humility. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And grace is a synonym for the working of the Holy Spirit. It is God working for us on our behalf. And so who does he give grace to? The humble. So humility is going to be in every story. <laughs> it's Even though the stories are going to be different, the way in which it unfolds, there is going to be that. There is going to be a readiness and a desire and a willingness because God doesn't give that which is holy to the dogs. So who does he give it to then? Those that appreciate its value. And so if he's going to give something holy, can you think of anything more precious to God than his very presence? If he's called the holy Spirit. Spirit. Yeah. yeah. He is going to give it to someone who appraises its value, knows the significance of it, so that when we're receiving this, we understand and, and cherish the gift of grace. So all of those things, there, there's certain facets that are, are very, very important for us to recognize are constants, but then there's other things that are variables. My personal story, I was in ministry and I esteemed the word of God and I esteemed the high calling. And so I wanted to be pure. I wanted to be holy. I wanted to be righteous. I wanted to live a pleasing life to my God, but I felt like no matter how hard I tried, I was coming up short. So my sincerity was very real, but my uh, function was lacking. And I was so frustrated. If I could just be honest, I was so frustrated but I believed that there was something that I was missing because I didn't believe that the, that God was mocking me by giving me a high calling and not equipping me to fulfill it. I just didn't know how it worked. And at the time, I was rather paranoid about the Holy Spirit, which is, of course, one of the ways the enemy was trying to play me because I didn't really want to hear someone talk about the Holy Spirit because I'd seen abuses. I had seen weird stuff with the Holy Spirit. That's a whole different story, which maybe we should talk about, but it's sort of depressing. And so I couldn't even really talk about the Holy Spirit, which is ironically the very topic I needed to discuss. It was just, it was a fearful thing for me. I didn't want to become weird. I didn't want to get off base. I didn't want to get cattywampus in my faith system. And so uh, it, this guy gave me a book called The Divine Conquest. It was a book by A.W. Tozier. And I had a very high regard, still do, for A.W. Tozier. And uh, it was a little short book. And the guy basically just said, you yeah, look, I just when I was praying, I just really felt like you're asking a question of God and what's in this book is, has the answer. I was like, really? Okay. So I read it and it was a little short book. And I think it's called, uh, what's it called now? Uh, God's, God's pursuit of man. God's pursuit of man. Yeah. They changed the name on it. So, and it's about the Holy spirit. I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, it's on the Holy spirit, but it's A.W. Tozier talking. And so I listened and I tell you what, it so impacted my life. It didn't change my life. It set me up to be changed because what it did is it basically said, Eric, I know what you're after. 
You want to live fully for Jesus in a way where what you esteem, what you desire, you're able to actually do. You don't want to just esteem love. You want to love people. You don't want to just esteem joy. You want to have joy. You want to just esteem having peace. You want to have it in your life. You don't want to just esteem self-control. You want to actually exhibit it. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right. I don't like just having good doctrine without function. Mm. And he said, Eric, the way to do that is to give your body over to the Holy Spirit. Hand him the keys. And he says, but you're probably nervous about that, aren't you, Eric? Remember, this book wasn't written to me, but I felt like it was. I felt like it was speaking directly to me. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death to give Jesus control because I don't know what he's going to do with me. If, if the Holy Spirit were to come in, what if he makes me weird? I mean, it's what an interesting thought. Well, the Holy Spirit's the one that introduced you to Jesus, Eric. He's, he's God. You don't need to be afraid of God, do you? He's your savior. He's the one that loves you so much that he gave up his own life to rescue you. Would you let him have what he purchased on that cross, which is that body? Give him the keys let him have the ownership papers. So I went through a season of wrestling because I, I remember another thing that A.W. Tozier said is that this needs to become an all-consuming desire for you, where you recognize the significance and your need for the Holy Spirit. And I wanted it, I intellectually understood, but I was so afraid of letting go. And that was the process I went through. So if you ask me, Eric, how were you filled with the Holy Spirit? I would say, well, part of it is a season that I went through. And part of it is a very specific moment, which I'm always hesitant to say, because I don't want people to always look for the moment. But I was in my study and I remember being on my face and I said, God, I'm at that place. I do not want to live without you having every inch of me. Here I am. I want you to rule and to reign in my life. And I can't say that there was a tingle. I can just say that when I got up from that, that prayer time on my face, everything that I had been wrestling through was settled inside of me. And there was an increased power in my ministry, in my voice, a greater weight to what I was doing. My doctrine, my theology didn't alter. It just had reality to it. It had functional power to it. Mm, that's so good. How about you, bud? Uh, can you like articulate that from your angle and what it was like for you? Yeah. About 16, 17 years ago at this point, uh, I was traveling with an evangelist. And one of the first things he did is he sat us down. The, there was three of us interns. And he said, look, there's going to come a point this summer where you're going to be utterly exhausted. Uh, you'll be pouring your life out in kids ministry and doing teen stuff throughout the day. And then, you know, working at churches or camps or whatever, wherever we were at, there's going to come a point where you're just at the end of your rope. You're going to look at your clock and it's going to say 10 a.m. And you're going to realize there's still hours before <laughs> bedtime. You know, he says in that moment, <clears throat> when you're at the end of your rope, you're going to have to depend upon Jesus. You're going to have to recognize that you cannot keep going out of your own strength, out of your own ability. And you're going to have to rely upon the Holy Spirit in your life. And he just kind of just left it like that. Yeah. And it was amazing all throughout that summer. There's like time after time after time where that, that happened. It's just like, yeah. you're exhausted. You started realizing, all right, uh, I've got ministry. You know, it's like you get done with an evening service and now there's like hours of counseling or whatever it may be going on. And you're just like mentally, emotionally, I'm just, I'm done. So it was just this constant turning of, okay, Lord, somehow I need you beyond what I have. And what was amazing is it wasn't a moment. It was just more of this 
understanding throughout the summer and then even over the next several years after that, of just my great need for, for Jesus. And one of the things he commented was in that moment when you realize you're at the end of the rope and you're throwing yourself upon Jesus, he says, and you come to the end of the day and you're like, how did I even make it through this day? Well, it was supernatural. He says, that's actually how we're supposed to live every single moment of every single day, that every day we should have this dependence. Every day we should have this surrender and this clinging. And so I, I can't point back to a moment as much as there was just this season of life that I was almost forced in one yeah. sense to throw myself upon the power of, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. through his spirit. And in the midst of that, just cultivating a greater awareness and hunger and intimacy for him, just begin to make me realize I, I actually need to function in the totality of this, not yeah. just not just go to church and do the right things or say the right things, but to actually live through a resource that's even not my own, something that's yeah. beyond me. Yeah. Uh, and it is amazing when you when you when you look at Christian history and you see these men and women who got to the end of themselves and just said, Lord, I I absolutely need you. Yeah. It's almost like ministry actually started taking place. Yeah. And I don't know what you want to call prior to that. I mean, it is ministry, <laughs> but but it's different. In other yeah. words, like I love Moody's story where, you know, yeah. he's this great evangelist, but it wasn't until the two old ladies are like, you need the Holy Spirit. And he's yeah. like, excuse me, I'm fine. <laughs> but once he actually was overcome and, and, and yeah. the Holy Spirit took him, it's like it almost made all the ministry pale in comparison yeah. to the reality of what God can actually do through someone who is a willing vessel yeah. uh, for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I think just to reemphasize the fact that it's not a formula, right? but it is a need. It is not something that is a bonus feature to the Christian life. It is the Christian life. It is how we are to function in it. And so we are rescued by Jesus. Jesus is bringing us into this place of dependence. He saved us not just for forgiveness sake. You know, that's not this what he was doing is just forgiveness. He was also gifting us the promise, which is known as the Holy Spirit, so that these bodies could function the way he originally intended them to. And the only way for that to work is that I cannot be my own anymore. I'm his. I'm bought with a price. And as a result, it's him living his life in me and through me instead of Eric living his life, esteeming God, saying, God, I just, you know, really thank you for what you did on that cross, but I'll take it from here. Instead, it's like, no, God, you take it from here. And that's, I think for both of us, it's a very shared experience, even though we could articulate it different, mm-hmm. just like those 20 people and they found the secret. What Oswald Chambers, D.L. Moody, uh, Amy Taylor. Carmichael, yeah. uh, John Bunyan. I called him Paul Bunyan yesterday. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, some great heroes. And we have that kinship with them where we say, I know what they're talking about. And I would say for anyone listening to this, if you're like, I don't know what you're talking about to ask God for this, to go after it with every fiber of your being. It's the same thing I went through. Some of you, uh, that are, some people that are listening to this, I know are going to be just like Eric, where they're just scared to death of even the term, the Holy Spirit. I have one buddy that says, yeah, my church, you know, says the father, son, and the Holy Bible <laughs> acknowledge the Holy Spirit because they don't want to go wacko. They don't want to be off. And yet, you know, I cannot think of a greater way to be off than to ignore the Holy Spirit. Right. And so that's the irony of it. We want to be doctrinally correct, but technically, if you really want to, to be correct, you need God Almighty dwelling inside of you. Amen. And I think even just to close, I, I, I always go back to the quote by Ian Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably one of my all-time favorite Christian quotes of all time. 
But Ian Thomas said, you know, if, if your Christianity can still be explained in terms of you, whether it be your resource, your willpower, your talent, your, your finances, your education, your whatever, then although you may have the Christian life, you're not yet living it. Amen. And then he follows it up by just saying that the only explanation for our lives is supposed to be Jesus Christ. That Amen. when someone of this world looks upon us, yes, they see us, but ultimately they actually don't see us. They somehow go, I don't know how you're living your life mm-hmm. because the only explanation really is Jesus Christ. Amen. What an amazing reality. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.